Hi, you're listening to Power to the People Radio. We are Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, and this is our vision. We are working for a day when Kentuckians and all people enjoy a better quality of life. When the lives of people and communities matter before profits. When our communities have good jobs that support our families without doing damage to the water, air, and land. When companies and the wealthy pay their share of taxes and can't buy elections. When all people have health care, shelter, food, education, and other basic needs. When children are listened to and valued. When discrimination is wiped out of our laws, habits, and hearts. And when the voices of ordinary people are heard and respected in our democracy. I'm Meredith Wadlington, and you're listening, of course, to Power to the People Radio. Power to the People is a weekly show about social justice on Lexington Community Radio. This show is a collaboration between Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, the Kentucky Student Environmental Coalition, the Kentucky Workers League, and the Central Kentucky Chapter of Showing Up for Racial Justice. Today's episode focuses on Kentuckians for the Commonwealth and our work going on statewide and locally around elections. In the first part of our show, we'll look at efforts to get registered voters to the polls on Election Day and discuss some of the races on the ballot here in Lexington on November 8th. In the second half, we'll look at the New Kentucky Project, a statewide initiative to bring more progressive leaders into Kentucky politics. Finally, we'll hear from a Lexingtonian named Fernando, a new citizen and a first-time voter, on why he's excited to cast a ballot this election. Here's KFTC member Maria Stark with more on getting voters to the polls on Election Day. In a previous episode of Power to the People, we looked at KFTC's efforts to get people registered to vote, especially those who ride mass transit or have received food assistance from God's Pantry. However, simply getting folks registered is not the end goal. Voter registration is just one of the many steps on the path to a healthier democracy. Another important step is getting those same people to vote on Election Day. Kentucky, like most states, doesn't have 100% turnout. Although 196,338 voters were registered in Fayette County in 2012 during the last presidential election, not all of those potential voters made it to their polling place on Election Day. In fact, over a third of them didn't cast a ballot at all. It's clear we still have work to do to turn registrations into votes cast. So, why do some registered voters never cast a vote on Election Day? The answer appears complicated, but let's take a moment to look at voting like we do other decisions in our lives, as costs versus benefits. The perceived costs of voting can deter potential voters from casting a ballot. Once you've overcome any barriers to registering in the first place, these perceived costs can be practical. Making a plan to vote that doesn't conflict with work and childcare getting to and from your polling place without too much inconvenience, 
And even something like bad weather can have an impact on turnout. Other costs to voting go beyond just election day, like the time it takes to get information about the issues and the candidates in order to make a decision. These costs are then weighed against the benefits. Benefits like the feeling of civic duty, being informed about the world around you and political decisions that affect our lives. The ability to raise your voice by voting for or against candidates and the issues that matter to you. This cost-benefit view of voting raises the question, does my vote even matter? Especially when it's clear that one vote rarely decides the outcome of an election. This sentiment certainly has an effect on turnout. Data from the 2014 primary election in California found that the more populated a county was, the less people turned out on election day. Unsurprisingly, the counties with the lowest populations in the state had the highest turnout. This suggests that registered voters do consider whether their vote will affect the outcome. In the presidential election, the electoral college system can make it even harder to see how one person's vote could change the outcome. That's why many organizations like Kentuckians for the Commonwealth work to highlight state and local races where turnout makes a big difference in who is elected to office. These are also the same races that can have a big impact on our lives and neighborhoods. Just take something like the recent minimum wage ruling. It was elected officials on city council that helped raise the minimum wage for thousands of residents in Fayette County. And it was also elected officials on the Kentucky Supreme Court that struck that same law down. So it really does matter who we elect to those positions. For some, it's not that their vote doesn't count, but that they're just not that enthusiastic about getting out to vote for any of the candidates. Let's be honest, this presidential election cycle has been particularly exhausting for many voters. But in Kentucky, when many aren't excited to go out and vote for the top of the ticket, it's important to see candidates who can cut through the negativity to bring a vision for Kentucky that voters can actually get excited to vote for. So what can be done? Well, let's look again at some of the factors that impact turnout. Okay, so actually having a plan to vote on election day. Although making a plan to vote would be easier if election day were just a national holiday, there might be some small ways to increase turnout just by getting voters to use their imaginations. A study conducted during the 2008 Pennsylvania presidential primary found that calling registered voters and asking about their plan for election day made them more likely to turn out to vote. Imagine someone calls you up this afternoon to ask what your day looks like on Tuesday, November 8th. What time will you vote? Where will you be coming from? What will you be doing beforehand? Think about it. Are you picturing yourself in the voting booth next week? Now, if you couldn't picture yourself at the voting booth because of your work schedule, you should know that Kentucky law requires employers to give you up to four hours of unpaid time off to vote on election day, as long as you ask at least a day in advance. Employers may ask you to prove you voted, so make sure to get an I Voted sticker when you leave. Another factor that could potentially impact voters is getting to and from their polling place. That's why Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, along with partisan groups, offer rides on Election Day to make sure that doesn't hold any potential voter back. Does this sound like you? Give us a call at 606-878-2161 
if you'd like a ride on November 8th. We can also help you find your polling place, or you can find it at GoVoteKY.com. This year, a new initiative called LexVote is working to use low-cost methods to increase voter turnout among bus riders. One element of their effort was joining cities like Dallas, Houston, Tampa, and the Twin Cities in providing free transit on Election Day. That means on Tuesday, November 8th, Lextran and Wheels, which serves riders with disabilities, will be completely free for everyone. Although the impact of free transit on voter turnout appears to be minimal in these cities, Alan S. Gerber, a political scientist at Yale University, told City Lab that making transportation free on Election Day is a clear statement that society values voting. This message, that voting is important, may be a significant impetus to vote over and above the turnout produced by lower transportation costs, end quote. LexVote has also tried to get riders the information they need about voting through bus ads and announcements that play on the buses periodically. This message reminds voters about Election Day and was narrated by Tanya Torp, a KFTC member. Did you know that Lextran will be offering free rides for both their fixed route service and wheels paratransit service on Election Day this year? Don't forget to vote on Tuesday, November 8th. Keep your eye out on the bus for information about how to find your voting location and information about the issues on the ballot. You can also find your voting location online at GoVoteKentucky.com. This message was brought to you by LexVote. This gets at one of the major perceived costs of voting. The energy it takes to find out where to vote, who's running, what they stand for, and to try to understand the issues at hand. Issues that can sometimes be technical and difficult to understand. Kentuckians for the Commonwealth works to make the decision between candidates easier for voters by releasing a free voter guide online at KentuckyElection.org. The printed voter guide can be found at Third Street Stuff and Coffee, Wild Fig Books, and the Lextran Transit Center. KFTC sent its survey to almost 300 local, state, and federal candidates for this year's voter guide. The guide helps voters learn where candidates stand on issues like voting rights for former felons, fair wages, health care, and clean air and water for Kentuckians. With a lack of information about specific candidates, many voters use the cues provided by party affiliation, like Republican, Democrat, Green Party, or Libertarian, to decide which candidate to choose on their ballot. However, that leaves many voters with a need for clear information about nonpartisan races, like city council or Kentucky Supreme Court. To prevent voters from abstaining altogether, we'd like to take a few minutes to zoom in on these races, their candidates, and what's at stake in these elections. Okay, let's review the basics. Lexington City Council is made up of 15 members, one council member for each of the 12 districts and three at-large members. The district council members have a two-year term and the at-large council members have a four-year term. This year, the 12 district council members are up for election, but only two races are contested, the second district and the fifth district. More on the fifth district race 
later in this episode. District 2 is a pretty large district. This area covers most of the neighborhoods off Leestown Road, Meadowthorpe, Masterson Station, Greendale Road, McConnell's Trace, but also a lot of Georgetown Road, Georgetown Street, and even the Distillery District in Spiegel Heights. If you're a visual person, you can see a map of all the council districts on LFUCG's website at maps.lexingtonky.gov backslash map it. The race in District 2 is between incumbent Siobhan Akers and challenger Sasha Love Higgins. Siobhan Akers has served in the position of District 2 council member since 2012 and is one of the more senior members on city council. She has 15 years of experience in the area of social services and has successfully lobbied for more public art and park upgrades in her district and citywide. Sasha Love Higgins, Akers' opponent, is the general manager of the Hampton Inn in Beaumont, with 13 years of experience in the hospitality industry. Higgins has been a vocal proponent for business and workforce development. She cares about reducing criminal activity in Lexington. Higgins told Ballotpedia that she was extremely proud of Lexington's police force and believed crime reduction can be achieved through economic development. Kentuckians for the Commonwealth received responses from both candidates on important issues facing Lexington. You can read those at KentuckyElection.org. Now let's briefly talk about District 5 of the Kentucky Supreme Court. Here's what you need to know. The Kentucky Supreme Court is the highest court in the Commonwealth and the final interpreter of state law. There are seven justices on the Supreme Court who are elected by voters in each of the state's seven districts. Supreme Court justices are uniquely positioned because they are non-political figures who are also important policymakers. These seven justices have the final word on Kentucky law and our state constitution. On November 8th, Kentuckians in Fayette County and the surrounding 10 counties will decide between Judge George Ackrey and Judge Larry Van Meter for 5th District Justice. It's important to know that justices on the Kentucky Supreme Court serve on the court for eight years. Both candidates have extensive experience in their field. Judge Ackrey was born in Metcalf County and Judge Van Meter was born in Lexington. Both candidates attended UK's School of Law. According to finance records, Acri has raised over 19,000 for his campaign, compared to Van Meter, who has raised over 190,000. Acri told the Herald-Leader he hopes a position on the Supreme Court, which oversees the judicial system, would give him a chance to push diversion programs for those who fall behind on child support. He believes jailing parents for non-payment costs the state unnecessary amounts of money and just creates more barriers for those behind on payments. When asked by the Herald-Leader, Judge Van Meter shared that he is proud that the judges he defeated in past judicial elections now support his candidacy for Supreme Court. Although self-described as somewhat conservative, Van Meter gained attention several years ago when he upheld a city smoking ban ordinance. If you'd like more information on this important judicial race, visit the website of the League of Women Voters of Lexington at www.lwvlexington.com. There you can find a taped forum hosted by the League between the candidates. 
Now, if you believe that voting is not the most effective way to make change in our society, I hear you. But my final pitch to get you to the polls is this. We believe that elected officials have a responsibility to hear the voices of all Kentuckians. And we believe that the more officials we have in office that represent our vision for Kentucky, the easier it is to move them on the issues and policies we care about. Whether that means lobbying them in Frankfurt or demanding change through direct action. Up next on Power to the People, we talk to folks working across Kentucky to make sure we have progressive candidates to choose from when we head to the polls on Election Day. Stay tuned. You're listening to Lexington Community Radio on 93.9 WLXU LPFM. from the KFTC chapter of Southern Kentucky, reminding you that you can check us out online at kftc.org. There you can get plugged into our work all across the Commonwealth and find out how you can support KFTC throughout the year by becoming a sustaining giver. Your membership will always stay current and you can become a sustaining giver with a gift of any size. There is no better time than now to sign up because for all of 2016, To honor KFTC's 35th birthday, an anonymous member will match your gift when you sign up as a sustaining member. And you can find the details at kftc.org. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to Power to the People Radio on 93.9 WLXU-LPFM. Power to the People is a weekly show about social justice on Lexington Community Radio. Today's episode was produced by Kentuckians for the Commonwealth and focuses on November 8th, Election Day. I'm Macy Gould, a member of the Central Kentucky chapter of KFTC. At the beginning of the episode, we heard some of the reasons why registered voters don't make it out to the polls on Election Day. One such reason we've all heard before. Some people don't vote because they just don't feel like any of the candidates represent who they want to see in office. The New Kentucky Project is a brand new initiative that aims to change that. The New Kentucky Project seeks to move Kentucky forward and modernize our state through a variety of different policy initiatives. However, we do acknowledge that there will be differences of opinion amongst some Kentuckians on issues and we seek to embrace those differences rather than rigidly accept the two-party dichotomy so often required in today's politics. We believe that where intelligent, well-meaning people disagree, consensus can be built through discussion and education. That's the mission of the New Kentucky Project read by Executive Committee member and Lexington's 6th District Council member, Angela Evans. Her district is mostly between New Circle and I-75, from Todd's Road to Paris Pike, and also the area surrounding Mary Todd Park. We sat down with Angela, along with fellow Executive Committee member and former Senate candidate, Celis Wilder, to find out what sparked the project and what its goals are. A lot of people are really feeling almost a painful need 
for things to be different, for these discussions to go differently uh, and to be more constructive, to just not be so nasty, to like, can we please stop bickering about this stupid stuff and actually try to work on the things that people need us to work on? Salas explained to us that the idea for the new Kentucky project was born when Adam Edelin lost his re-election campaign for state auditor. Kentucky Sports Radio's Matt Jones had considered a Senate campaign around that same time, but didn't feel like the state's political climate was where it needed to be to foster progressive candidacies. They both kind of had a revelation that the um, there just wasn't a good infrastructure in place yeah. to help elect progressives around Kentucky and that uh, just on an organizational level that progressives needed some kind of vehicle, you know, an organizational structure that could help uh, carry candidates. One reason for this lack of progressive officials in Kentucky, says Sellis, is the focus of presidential campaigns on the electoral college system. When Democratic campaigns choose to overlook our state because our electoral votes will almost certainly go to the Republican candidate, down-ballot progressive campaigns lose an opportunity for visibility. I mean, one great example of that, actually, when you look at um, our, this congressional district, when uh, you know Obama lost Kentucky two years in a row and didn't really compete in Kentucky and lost by like 15 points. And it's easy to understand why the Obama campaign chose not to compete in Kentucky because they were clearly never going to win it. There were swing states in play. Why divert resources away from Ohio you know, towards a state you can't win? Uh, but there were other Democrats down ballot in closer races. And so that was the year that uh, Ben Chandler... Um, lost his re-election bid uh, to Andy Barr and, but in, a, in a relatively close race. And I think there's a, there's a general sense that if the national campaign had actually played in Kentucky, had actually you know, committed some resources and tried, and if Obama had lost by 10 points instead of 15, that that would have made a big difference for the down-ballot races and that we would have uh, more Democratic candidates in office. The down-ballot effect can't really be overstated. Traditional presidential campaigns often neglect potential voters in non-swing states, which doesn't create space for political engagement. The new Kentucky project borrows a more comprehensive strategy from 2004 Democratic presidential candidate Howard Dean. And so um, when Howard Dean, uh, after uh, his unsuccessful presidential run, kind of uh, took over as the head of the DNC, he adopted a, you know, very purposefully a strategy that said, no, from now on, we are going to compete in all 50 states. You know, win or lose, there's no way to grow our base. There's no way to grow our coalition. There's no way to win some of these states 20 years from now if we're not competing there today. That's very much the idea behind the New Kentucky Project is actually go out, work on candidate recruitment in all 120 Kentucky counties. Um, you know, even the places where, where you wouldn't normally expect progressives to, to try to compete. Because there's, I mean, Nothing's cut and dried, and there's plenty of folks across the entire state that resonate with this message. And even if it's not enough to carry an electoral majority in a given county, there's still something to be said for giving them a voice. And when you can empower them and pull them together, that can certainly have a cumulative impact on the statewide elections. By focusing on finding progressive leaders in all 120 counties, the new Kentucky Project aims to make Kentuckians aware of fresh ideas and actions taking place in their communities. At the same time, they hope to empower those potential leaders and help foster a supportive climate for progressive candidacies. Here's Angela again. What does it look like locally and what are progressives doing in your own hometown? And again, progressives not necessarily tied to a party, 
it's just people with new ideas that push our society forward and and help us grow so i mean i know progressive has a connotation to to party but you know there are a lot of people in the new kentucky project that that aren't you know registered democrats but as we keep hearing there aren't good ideas on one side of the aisle or the other but really just what's how can we work together to make kentucky better and of course we're going to have some differences of what better looks like but really just identifying some new blood and you know new ideas tend to come with younger people um so so we're kind of focusing on that and identifying another generation or you know even more within a generation to to bring forward and say you know what you are a leader and this is the great stuff you're doing and people need to know about it because it is helping the community as a whole and that progressivism isn't just political the idea is that these progressive leaders can be identified and developed based on their work at any level of the community maybe they come to their council member with an idea for their district or maybe they organized a really good event in their town the project wants to identify those people and keep them involved. Saying you, you can do this. You can be a leader. You're already a leader. You know, I think sometimes that's all it takes is just giving someone that validation or that acknowledgement that you are a leader in your community, and encouraging those individuals to to go even further with it. They're not expecting all these folks to run for senate or even city council. Just being the leader of your five street neighborhood association can still be impactful. The new Kentucky project recognizes a desire for forward thinking leaders throughout the Commonwealth and hopes to diversify the types of candidates we see on future ballots. They're not alone in that goal. Emerge Kentucky is a part of a national network that provides a seven month long training program for progressive women in order to prepare them to run for office. Part of the reason that Angela feels so strongly about the importance of seeking out and strengthening these community leaders is that she's an alumna of the Emerge Kentucky program. Emerge Kentucky was the reason I ran for office, so I wouldn't have done it you know, without having gone through that training. They gave me the tools and, and really the courage and, and the support. And, and it means so much in that that's, again, why I think the New Kentucky Project can help, will help. It's amazing what people will and can do when they've got that courage and support. Um, and Emerge Kentucky did that for me. And I certainly would not be sitting on council, but for, for that program. For some, dissatisfaction with those currently in office is enough to motivate them to run, even if it is at the last minute. That's the case with Justin Stanley, a brand new writing candidate for Lexington City Council's 5th District. I'm running for council because I strongly disagree with the recent state Supreme Court ruling that invalidated the minimum wage increase that was passed by the city councils of Lexington and Louisville. And I think it's very important that uh, working people have a strong voice in local government. Justin Stanley announced his writing campaign last week in protest after Louisville and Lexington's local minimum wage ordinances were deemed unconstitutional by the Kentucky Supreme Court. The 5th District's incumbent council member, Bill Farmer, opposed the ordinance from the start. I think there are so few contested city council campaigns because there's so much money being spent in federal races, uh, in particular the presidential race. 
local candidates really can't compete with the ad time and the uh, the money that's being spent. Um, in addition, I think voters understandably tune out after months and months of media chatter and negative ads. Um, and that's ironic because oftentimes I think local races like this one have the greatest impact on people's lives, uh, whether they realize it or not. Before Justin announced his riding candidacy, the second district in Lexington was the only one with a contested council seat. When we asked Justin why he thinks that is, his response echoed a lot of what Celis mentioned earlier when he explained why we need initiatives like the New Kentucky Project. People should care about who their city council member is because uh, local officials make decisions that have a direct impact on their lives every day. Lexington as a whole, I think, is progressive and its leaders should reflect that. Local laws matter because uh, Lexingtonians matter. Maybe more people would feel compelled to run for city council if they realized that these leaders shape their neighborhoods, our city. Your council member is here to represent you. You can find out more information about Justin Stanley's writing campaign on Facebook. And be sure to head over to KentuckyElection.org for more information on lots of other candidates up for election on November 8th. Check out NewKentuckyProject.com and EmergeKY.org to read more about what those organizations are doing to help Kentucky progress. Keep listening to Power to the People. Up next, we'll hear from Fernando, a new American citizen who will vote for the first time next week. And, as always, we'll hear what the Central Kentucky chapter of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth is up to this month. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Lionel Suzini from the Lexington chapter of KFTC. As you've probably heard, this is an important election year for Kentuckians. If you're not familiar with all the candidates you can vote for this election season, don't stress, because KFTC is here to help you navigate all your options and make informed choices about each race with the 2016 Kentucky Voter Guide. The Voter Guide is now available at KentuckyElection.org. There, you can view candidate responses to surveys to find out where candidates for federal, state, and local races stand on the issues that matter to you most. You can also access other important voter resources like information about absentee voting and how to check your voter registration status. All at KentuckyElection.org To request a paper copy of the Voter Guide, give us a call at our main office 606-878-2161. Welcome back to Power to the People. I'm Meredith Wadlington with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. This week we're talking about what else? Voting in Kentucky. I'm not sure if you've heard, but there's a pretty important election happening just one week from today. At KFTC, we've been doing a lot of work over the past few months to get folks registered to vote. And the more voter registration work I do, the more folks I meet who not only don't vote, but have probably never thought about their right to elect their representatives. 
Last month on Power to the People with KFTC, if you remember, we talked with Jimmy, a former felon who spent years trying to win back his right to vote in Kentucky. His right to vote had been restored in Indiana after he was off paper and then revoked once more when he moved to Kentucky. For people like Jimmy, who have been convicted of a felony, voting isn't something you take for granted. Fernando Villa Martinez is another Kentuckian who doesn't take his right to vote for granted. Hi, great to meet you. How are you? Fernando has been living in the United States for years, but this November will be the first time he's able to cast a vote in the election. I'm from Mexico and I was 17 years old when I got here uh, with the help of an older brother and an uncle. That's also the voice of Miranda Brown, who came along with me to help interpret. Fernando's wife just recently received her green card. He received his citizenship four years ago. When, when I was when in I was 2006, I tried to become a citizen. I tried to become a citizen. I tried to become a citizen. I didn't study, so I didn't pass the questions. Uh, so I didn't know many people that could help me. And so it was easy to go. Fernando says it was easy to get there to take the test, but difficult to pass without any help. Fernando didn't pass the citizenship test the first time around, so he prepared another year before taking it again. And so four years ago, I became a citizen. But I studied, I prepared for a year. If you've never seen any of these questions from the civics portion of the United States naturalization test, it's worth looking up. Some of these questions are a lot tougher than you might think. Like, name one U.S. territory, or who was the president during World War I? In fact, a survey from the Center for the Study of the American Dream at Xavier University found that one out of every three United States citizens of voting age actually fails the civics portion of the immigration naturalization test. The survey showed that respondents had the most difficulty defining, quote, the rule of law, which is one of the questions, or being able to determine the function of the judicial branch. Sí, porque son 100 preguntas, y de 100 preguntas le preguntan a uno 10, y de 10 preguntas tienen que pasar este seis o explains. There are 100 possible questions to study, but they only ask you 10. You have to get seven right. And of course, you don't know which ones they're going to ask. And you have to practice reading and writing. And you can't take the test in Spanish. Not until you're older than 55 or 60 years. In fact, you can take the test in English, but only if you've held a green card in the United States for 15 years. But anyways, Fernando passed the test and finally became a citizen of the United States. One year later, he registered to vote. 
He says he didn't realize that he needed to register to vote when he became a citizen in 2012, the year Mitt Romney ran against the incumbent Barack Obama. I didn't know I forgot that I had to register to vote. So the year that I became a citizen was the year to vote. So the next year I registered. So this will be his first time voting. As I said before, Fernando came to the United States when he was a teenager, but I wanted to know a little bit more about presidential elections in his home country. It turns out his family was really involved in the political scene in Mexico. I was really intrigued to hear about Fernando's family getting involved, but the more we talked about it, it seems like this is kind of the norm where he's from. The presidential election in the United States is indeed pretty different from that in Mexico. As Fernando says, it's generally not just a representation of two powerful parties. For example, during the last presidential election in 2012, the Institutional Revolutionary Party candidate received 38% of the popular vote. The Party of the Democratic Revolution candidate received 32% of the popular vote. The National Action Party candidate received 25% of the popular vote. And the New Alliance Party candidate received 2% of the popular vote. The terms are six years. And since no president can serve more than one term in office, every presidential election in Mexico is a non-incumbent election. It makes sense that these races tend to be more competitive than in the United States. Still, Fernando is excited about voting in this election. Do you and your friends talk about the election? Sí. What are some things you talk about? Pues este... Like my wife, who just got her permanent residence, um, she wants to vote, but because she's not a citizen, yet, she cannot vote. If you could vote, who would you vote for? Yo. Hillary Clinton. Do you think you'll vote for Hillary Clinton as well? I wasn't really surprised to hear Fernando say that he's planning on voting for Hillary. 
Since 1980, a Republican presidential candidate hasn't gotten any more than 40% of the Hispanic vote, and it usually falls somewhere between 20 and 30%. This year, though, it seems more personal. You can tell that she's a good person, whereas Donald Trump, he talks about all of Hispanics and talks about them as being foreigners. racista. Fernando seems really prepared to cast a vote for the first time in his life. He knows the candidates, he knows his polling place, he knows that the polls are open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And for the first time in his life, he knows that he's able to participate in the democratic process without fear. Someone becomes a citizen, you feel democratic. You feel like you have more rights, right? When you're not a citizen, you have, you're more careful, you have more fear. So when you become a citizen, you feel like you have more confidence and you have more rights. So this will be your first time this November? Ese va a ser su primera vez este sí. Are you excited? Sí. Y es para ayudar a las demás personas que necesitan ayuda. To help the other people who need help. Living in Kentucky, do you feel like your one vote matters? Sí. Thanks in that segment to Miranda Brown for interpreting. Miranda, by the way, has a fabulous show on WLXU Sister Station, 95.7, WLXL, El Pulso Latino. Her show is called Voces de la Comunidad, and it airs every Tuesday at 10, as well as Saturdays at 2. By the way, if you're a fan of WLXU but you've never listened to El Pulso Latino, flip on over to 95.7 sometime and check it out. It's run by the same team of producers and engineers as this station, it's a part of the Lexington Community Radio family, and it's a great resource for Lexingtonians, Spanish-speaking, and otherwise. So in hearing from Fernando and in doing voter registration, we've of course been talking a lot about what it actually looks like to get to the polls, what you need to prepare for, what you can do to really make the most of it. So we'd like to close this week with a really quick segment on what to expect on Election Day. Here's Chuck Clenny with The Lowdown. I'm sure you've heard by now that polling places are open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Anyone who is in line by 6 p.m. is given the opportunity to vote. You've probably heard horror stories about folks waiting for a very long time to vote, but know that this is not the norm. You'll likely be in and out in less than an hour. Now, in terms of actually getting there, Kentucky law allows employees to take up to four hours of unpaid time to vote on election day. So if your work schedule prevents you from voting, you legally can request time off to get to the polls. To do so, you must request the time off at least one day before the election, but keep in mind that employers may decide when those hours are taken. And you may be required to show proof that you voted, so keep your sticker. It's fashionable, it's a nice selfie photo op, and it can keep your employer from harassing you. When you check in at the polls, hopefully a very nice poll worker will ask for your name and some form of ID, unless the poll worker knows you personally and can vouch that you are in fact who you say you are. 
Otherwise, you need some sort of proof. In Kentucky, this does not have to be a government-issued ID. You can use a driver's license or state-issued ID, of course, but you can also use a social security card, a passport, or even a credit card. You can actually use anything that has your photo and signature on it. If you do provide one of these forms of ID and you get pushback from your poll worker, you can always call the Election Protection Hotline at 866-R-VOTE. That's 866-687-8683. For more information on the Election Protection Coalition, as well as support in Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, Bengali, Urdu, Hindi, or Tagalog, visit 866-R-VOTE.org. That's 866-O-U-R-V-O-T-E.org. Once you're in the booth, there will be an option to choose what's called a straight ticket vote. That will check all the boxes for you according to the party that you choose. But plenty of people like you like to pick each candidate individually. Keep in mind that it's illegal to take a photo when you're in the voting booth. Even though this is another prime selfie opportunity, it's against the rules, and you might get fussed at. You did it! Congratulations on voting in the general election! Now don't forget to come join us at Election Results Watch Party at the West 6 Green Room downtown starting at 7pm that night. And that about wraps up our show today. Uh, but first, we'll close out with a few updates and announcements from the Central Kentucky Chapter of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. The Central Kentucky Chapter of KFC meets every third Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Episcopal Mission House on the corner of 4th Street and MLK Boulevard. That's across from the Living Arts and Science Center. Join us for our November meeting on Thursday, November 17th at 7 p.m. Also, mark your calendar now for our CKY KFTC Holiday Karaoke Party on December 15th at 7 p.m. at the Episcopal Mission House. All are welcome. Our biggest fundraiser of the year is coming up on Saturday, November 19th. Join us for the Kentucky Kicksass Brewfest at the Grand Reserve located at 903 Manchester Street from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Craft brewing in Kentucky keeps growing, and we want you to have the chance to taste some great craft beers brewed right here in our home state. To get more information or tickets to Brewfest, visit kftc.org brewfest. All attendees receive a commemorative glass to take home. You can also sample some great local fare at the food trucks from Kentasty Break Time Cafe, Red State Barbecue, and Hardwood Pizza Company. To volunteer for a shift at Brewfest, contact Beth Howard at 386-299-2921 or bethhoward at kftc.org. And right now, KFTC is working hard to build power for a better Kentucky. Among other things, building power includes growing our membership base and securing the funds we need to run great issue campaigns, develop leaders, do lobbying, and so much more. We are now in the midst of our fall campaign, a focus period where we work on growing membership and donations. Our organizational goal is to raise $500,000 and grow our membership to 11,000 members by the end of the year. Now, these goals may seem daunting, but with your help and that of members across Kentucky and beyond, we'll be able to surpass these goals. So. We're hosting 10 power building parties at the Lexington office. That's 250 Plaza Drive, Suite 4. And we would love for you to come out to help. 
During these parties, we'll be contacting Central Kentucky members via phone, mail, and social media and encouraging them to renew their membership or make a special donation. We'll provide the snickety snacks. Feel free to bring a dish to share or your favorite pen, a laptop, a cell phone, a cell phone charger, or other miscellaneous party fare. Contact Beth Howard to volunteer at 386-299-2921 or bethhoward at kftc.org. And of course, do not forget to get out to the polls and vote next Tuesday, November 8th. We have from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to cast our ballot. Rides are free all day on Lextran and Wheels. And finally, join us on election night at West 6 Green Room located at 109 West Main Street for an election results watch party. The Green Room will be open from 7 p.m. to midnight for drinks, watching election returns, election results bingo, and much needed togetherness. Power to the People Radio is produced by KFTC members Maria Stark, Macy Gould, and me, Meredith Wadlington, in partnership with the Kentucky Student Environmental Coalition, the Kentucky Workers League, and Central Kentucky Chapter of Showing Up for Racial Justice, with much appreciated support from Lexington Community Radio. Our show this week has been brought to you by KFTC, which brings you Power to the People every first Tuesday of the month on WLXU 93.9. But since we have ourselves a nice double header in November, be on the lookout for a bonus episode from KFTC airing the last Tuesday of this month. We'll do a little bit of follow-up from election results, and also you'll hear our full interview with Celis Wilder. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening.